Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. What if I did it like, uh, like an infomercial? Like, hello everybody, we have a new show today. No, I'm not going to do that. No. No. That's okay. You don't have to do that. I don't want to do it. That's a fun idea, though. I don't like it. I thought it might be fun, and I instantly, <laughs> instantly was like, that's the worst thing I've ever said. And I've said some bad things, and that was that was top tier right there. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Trash Heap Podcast. It's me, Elliot. Join, join. God damn it. Cut. I was doing so good. <laughs> I was doing so, so good. All right, one more. Well, that's right, Elliot. Uh, we're here on the the most busty podcast uh, in the Tri County area. It's the Trash Heap Movie Hour, where we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. That's correct. It's me, Elliot Greenman, with Keith Vance. Here we are again. Don't it's say our full names. Oh, shit. Please bleep it out. Now our obsessive fans can find our home addresses and look up our phone numbers and I'm, such. I'm, do they I'm still going, make phone books? I don't know, man. Yeah, I think they do. Like, I've had some delivered to me like not that long ago, I think. Oh, I nice. think they've stopped doing the delivering, though, so maybe you have to request it. Like, I don't know. But... I believe they do. Um, but we'll just go off the grid, change our names. We'll start recording the podcast from a mobile uh, unit that travels down the highway. No one will ever find us. That's perfect. I like that. On the run. Yeah. Ducking our adversaries and oh, yeah. uh, government secret government uh, splinter cells. And it's going to be a real black bag operation. Absolutely. Um, boy, oh boy, do we have a movie for you today. I am excited about this one, Keith. How about you? I don't get excited about movies, but I am excited uh, to talk about the philosophical and neurological implications that this film brings to the table. In oh, fact, absolutely. I Before we get into the movie, I would wanted to ask you about something that's been on my mind lately and has been kind of like a, a internet discussion point for a lot of people. Hmm. This notion of raw dogging reality have you heard of this are you familiar with no this? i have not heard about this. i don't go on these like 4chan uh <laughs> websites you know uh q what's the q anon message board i'm not this a message not my... board junkie i'm not on reddit or anything like that i just uh you know it's in the periphery these these ideas are floating around the brightest yeah. minds of our our generation are are talking about these issues there's no escaping them i don't know how okay. you do it so raw dogging reality. So, that's, what, this what idea is that? of raw dogging reality is the idea that there are people existing and functioning in our society without the help of drugs or alcohol or medication or stimulants. They are just Why? sort of out there, uh, you know, faced, you know, peeing into the wind, uh, going uphill both ways. Uh, staring into the sun without any sunglasses on, just uh, just going for it. Yeah, okay. I actually am familiar with this concept. That's called being ages three to twelve. <laughs> being so I, yeah, I've already done that. It's called daycare. Why would? 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, why would I want to do that? Why would I want a raw dog reality when I can uh, numb my senses from everything and wake up feeling shitty? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yes. I'm, I'm, well, I'm well, I've done that, I guess I said, like as a child, been, been to it, very familiar with the concept. Maybe I'll try it again someday. I don't know. But currently, you are not raw dogging reality. I'm not raw dogging reality. I am. Uh, you got um, a couple layers right that you're wrapped cooked, up in. I've cooked that dog thoroughly. <laughs> but no, we got a movie. Um, well, you I'm didn't excited. even ask me if I'm raw dogging reality. Man. Because I know that you're not, man. You just told me you drank some fucking like bizarro uh, discontinued expired energy drink that you went on the dark web to get. Well, so I guess that means I'm I'm not technically raw dogging it, but caffeine is kind of my only my only protection against the the hell of our modern world. Like I don't yeah. I'm not much of a drinker anymore and I don't really do any like cool drugs or anything like that. Like, if I eat an edible, like, it'll make me, you know, put me in the kind of, like, a irritable mood. So, I don't yeah. really do anything like that. But I just think it's interesting that uh, we have so many options now to alter our perception and sort of cushion the blows of daily existence in this right. harsh, unforgiving future. See, wouldn't, like, if you were truly raw-dogging reality, wouldn't you just be, like not even on like social media or your phone. You would only be on, if you ever went on the internet at all, it would just be on a desktop or laptop and solely to look up the phone number for like uh takeout, uh, the d- d- food. I mean, I guess if you were truly raw, you would be just naked in the forest, just sort of crawling around in the mud and like sleeping on moss. I would try that. Yeah. That sounds like heaven actually. Yeah. By comparison. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the movie we're talking about today had the opposite effect on me. Instead of needing drugs to uh, comprehend and process and survive what I was experiencing watching this movie, the movie itself made me think that it was some kind of hallucinogenic drug that had, like, leaked into my blood uh, vis-a-vis the shower or something I'd ingested or... Yes. I fully expected, by the time this movie was over, I expected to open my eyes and see that I had been staring at a television that was not on. I think that's an accurate depiction of the experience of watching this movie. Perfect. Show's uh, over. Boom. Okay, done. perfect. Yep, we're that's done. It. Thanks for uh, listening. No, like seriously, guys, we're going to... This will be a spoiler-heavy conversation of this movie. I highly recommend. You can't spoil a movie if you don't know what the fuck you're watching. That's a good point. Speaking of movies, though, I just want to say before we get into it, it's like this has been a good year for movies, for like new movies. Oh, here we go. Okay, dumb done. Elliot's Oscar picks. No, I was just going to ask you if you've seen Nope yet. I just watched Glory for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew Broderick, super underrated, and Denzel, what a what a revelation! National treasure. 
no, have you seen Nope yet? Uh, by the time this comes out, I will probably have seen it. So I'm going to say Excellent. yes. I'm going to I'm going to future proof myself. I was going to just ruin the movie right here and now, you know, for the audience, but I won't do it for you. Don't, just won't don't. Get, it'll be, In fact, by no the spoilers. time this movie or by the time this episode comes out, uh Prey will probably be out oh, yeah. as well. So there's Hell this yeah. very exciting. Like I can't I'm looking forward to that. We'll we'll, we'll definitely be following up on that one and yeah, see if we did it's, the uh, trailer thing. Or, see if it's hot or not. Yes. Um I will say like I don't want to talk too much about it since you haven't seen it yet. I will say I think Nope is my favorite movie of the year so far. Oh my god. There you go. That's all I'm saying. Uh that the end of that. So the movie we're talking about today <laughs> is a movie called The Seventh Curse. Um it is from nineteen eighty eighty six. Yeah. The Hong it Kong stars, adventure film, they say. Hong Kong adventure film stars Chow Young Fat. He's billed as like the lead, even though he's, he's not. not not in the movie that he much. He's not. Uh, the lead is played by Su Ho Chin, who is uh, not too well known in to Western audiences, uh, but is more famous in China and Hong Kong. He's in movies like Mr. Vampire. Uh, Maggie Chung is in it. She's fairly well known globally. She's in a lot of uh, Wong Kar Wai movies. And then there's some other people that pop up here and there within it. It is directed by Nagai, Nagai Choi Lam, whose most famous movie is, at least famous to Western audiences, is the story, Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Yeah. Which is a crazy movie. It's uh, one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I'm not saying that ironically. No, yeah. One of the it final is, shots of that movie is something that I think about weekly in the realm of like genre movies and horror movies and and uh martial arts movies this story of ricky is fairly notorious for just being a complete insane like hyper violent graphically violent i'm and and just fairly nonsensical it's like at one point someone just like turns into the incredible hulk Essentially, for no reason, with no like build yeah, up, no like, setup, no backstory. It's just all of a sudden he just starts like mutating and like getting huge muscles yeah. and like exploding out of himself. So it's filled with shit like that. This movie itself, while it's kind of like not very f- well known, uh, is equally as crazy, if not crazier. Um, not as violent or gory. It's still pretty violent and gory, but not to the excessive levels of that. It certainly but, like, has its you- moments. This director is has done. I don't know if he's done anything that isn't wild. Every mo- I've seen a handful of movies from him. He also did a movie called The Cat, which has a pretty like scene that was pretty famous for passing around on the internet for a while on YouTube. Is that the is one like where a, the cat is on the cruise ship? No, it's a cat people? that has like a. No, there's a cat that like has a. It's from. It's an alien cat, or it's an alien possessing the body of a cat. Oh. And at one point, it has like a kung fu fight with a dog in a junkyard <laughs> and it's this weird mix of stop motion animation and people like just literally throwing like a cat at a dog right. or just like whip, like having a dog, like a cat puppet on a string, dragging it around. It's insanity. Um, he has a movie called erotic ghost story, which is pretty much just a soft core porn. Like I watched it and I was like, this is going to be smutty. And I was like, Oh my God, this is smutty. But, but it is, is it also spooky. Incredi- it's spooky. It's incredibly well made. 
And the story is actually, it's based on like some old uh, Chinese folktale. And the story is actually fairly intriguing. And I would venture to say, despite its sheer smut, uh, smut factor, it's possibly on a technical level, the, the best made movie of his that I have seen. Wow. Not the best movie, but like, just like, oh, this is technically like, these are the, the best one. You sold me um, on that. Yeah. So the basics, you want, what's the basic setup for this movie, Keith, uh, Seventh Curse? Uh, well, it's literally a doctor, like an adventurer scientist type, uh, going into the jungle to attempt to rescue a beautiful girl from being sacrificed. Yeah, that's pretty much... I mean, that's the, 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 basic the, the most basic piece of the puzzle. He, he the, That same doctor also happens to be uh, uh, saddled with a blood curse. He also happens to be the horniest man alive. Is it really his fault when he's surrounded by the most beautiful women in the world? I mean... Uh, yes, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> They're conspiring against this man, a, a stout academic and a, uh, a committed, you know, committed to his profession. And uh, they just did these beautiful women keep falling out of the sky and like uh, emerging from the water. And I don't know what he's supposed to do. He's just trying to trying to read books with his giant glasses. I guess. So to give you guys uh, a, a kind of like a idea of the tone of this movie. So coincidentally enough, um, we had already selected to do this movie. And then shortly after we picked it, I was listening to a, uh, this podcast called the big picture and they were talking about John Carpenter and uh, they were talking about how they like this weird segment where Carpenter and Spielberg overlap a little bit in sensibilities and they were kind of saying like oh it's not really much to like one influence yet the the other but maybe they had similar influences from their childhood past i think and mostly true. talking mostly talking about like their more like horror elements of spielberg they obviously talked about raiders of the lost ark and the faces melting and all that stuff and i was like what would you get if you if john i was like i said what i thought i think to myself wouldn't it be cool if john carpenter directed raiders of the lost ark and i'm like oh wait a minute i've seen that movie we're doing it for the podcast it's called the seventh curse and I think that's kind of what you have. This is John Carpenter doing Raiders Lost Ark on a lower budget. And you have a little bit of like something like Hard Ticket from Hawaii throw in just like some sort of smutty, uh, exploitative, like hot, hot naked chicks and guns type movie. There is definitely moments where I was checking the year on this movie because I was seeing like uh, Big Trouble in Little China and Ghosts of Mars. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, wait a second. I mean, Ghosts of Mars, man, that is kind of, uh, of, of, uh, it's, it's kind of like Carpenter doing an Indiana Jones movie, but just in space, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. And like, even just some of the, the look uh, and style of like, uh, the, the tribes and the gangs and the different villains and things like that, there was a lot going on here that like, there, there's kind of like a common thread between all of those. Yeah, I think it's important to establish right here, Keith, like what? if what version you the movie you watched because we might have not watched the exact same one there's the export version which is the one that got shipped out internationally and then the like original hong kong version and i'd seen this movie a while ago originally i'd seen the export and i just watched the hong kong one uh for for the show and there's not a ton of differences there's some bookends that are, are different and uh there's like some some of the translations a little bit different um but do you know which version you watched? I don't. 
I ended up watching this movie on some random genre movie streaming service. And uh, I got about a third of the way through and I shut it off for a few minutes because there was some, some gunshots on my block and I went to check to see if my neighbors had been murdered. Yeah. And when I sh- turn it back on, that particular streaming service did not let me leave back off um, where, where I had stopped watching. And so I switched over to Crackle. Yeah. And I don't know the version that I started watching uh, on that goofy streaming service. And then once I started on Crackle, I don't know what the version on that was either. So basically, so I don't know what the fuck like, I watched. They're, they're not that different. Um, <laughs> so why even bring it up? <laughs> well, there's just some little f- kind of like little like funny little things that are different. But like so the bookend. So the, basically, the main difference is the bookend se- uh, segments. And if you watch the original Hong Kong version, so this this movie and a lot of the characters are based on a series of book characters um, called like uh, the Wisely stories or something. And Chow Young Fat plays the character Wisely, who's like. To my understanding, normally the main character in most of these, but sometimes it's the other guy play, played by um, the Doctor character. Yeah, I love these titles. By the way, it's the Wesley series or the Wisely series, right? There's the Legend of Wisely. There's the New Adventures of Wisely. The Wesley's Mysterious File. That's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Wesley's Mysterious File with Andy Lau as not Wesley Wisely. <laughs> Yeah, and then the W files—that's a good one too. But so, there is not six preceding curses. No, 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 no. There, this is its standalone. The seventh curse is kind of a, a a little bit confusing because it's not the seventh curse; it's the seven curses. This, yes, exactly. Right? He has he's he's subject to seven separate blood curses. But the point I was saying was. That yeah, these are based on a series of books originally, and actually that movie, The Cat, that I was telling you about just a moment ago, that's also oh yeah, it's part of a, the series. It's also a wisely uh, adventure. It's the second one. Yeah. So, um, we don't know what the, the cat's name is though. Is it wisely or Wesley? In indeterminable. The cat, the cat is. They just call the cat like General or something because that's the cat is the uh, of the aliens that come down and take no light. Yes. So the, the, like uh, in Cat's Eye. I, I don't know if it's General or Captain. It's something like that. Well, the like, fucking cat in the cat's eye is named General. So what's, yeah, what's I, going on here? I don't know. There's some kind it, of fucking conspiracy. <laughs> in that movie, aliens come down and they assume the the bodies of recently deceased life forms. I like that. La, yeah. I like la, when like, aliens do that. Like in, uh, so, was it Tommy like Knockers? Da- Tommy Knockers or The Day the Earth Stood Still. But uh, so they do that and like two of the aliens take on human life forms and then the, their captain, it takes the body of a cat. So it's captain. It's not general. I got all fired up for nothing. It could be general. I don't I don't really remember. I'd have to watch it again. It's like some sort of title of leadership regardless. So but anyway, like so the bookend starts with the author of the book hanging out in like some library drinking brandy with Chow Young-Fat and the other actor, and he's introducing uh, the movie as like, oh, here comes a story of, you know, one of the many stories that I've written about these two characters. So that is the main difference. So yeah, not that important, but it's kind of a funny it little It is general. Intro. What the fuck? Told you. What the fuck is going on here? So if you watch, that's what I'm saying, if you watch the 
original version, that's how the movie starts. If you don't, it goes straight into the action, which is there's a hostage situation. There is a hostage situation. And I got to tell you, I'm a, a big fan of the way they made a sort of special unit cops or SWAT teams look in the 80s. Those blue jumpsuits with the, mm-hmm. the sort of the black vest over the top, that's such a fucking classic look and like a vibe. Like you get 20 or 30 of those guys just standing around. It's exciting. What's yes. happening? We don't know. Something's going to, Something big is going down. Something's so, going to yeah, blow up. Something's going to blow up for We sure. want something to blow up. And everything's going to blow up. have this hostage negotiation. One of the hostages having a heart attack. The terrorists are like sending the doctor. And what do they do? They go and get our, our, our main man. He is, they, they please say like something like, like we, we know you're a doctor known for bravery. So we thought you just thought you could go in and plant this bomb in the terrorist den and save the hostages. Yeah, it's a big flashbang. And yeah. I had to shield my eyes during that entire scene. Because that, that, after that flashbang goes off, they're like fighting and shooting like an action sequence during the, uh, the whole thing. And the effect was disorienting to say the least it it worked on me his character's name is doctor in fact i was arrested just a few minutes after watching that scene oh shit (laughs) (laughs) they're like we got you you watched the movie now you're under arrest his 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 character's name is dr yuan so that will that'll be easier than saying the other actor but then also in that scene maggie chung who plays an aspiring young reporter wants the scoop of a lifetime on this on this terrorist unit and wants to get into the building but the police won't let her so what is what does she do keith i don't know what does she do she murders a nurse and takes her clothing did she really murder her though i mean i don't i think the implication is not that she murdered her but she hits her over the head with a brick yeah she uses like an infiltration method that you would normally use against like your opposition, but that's right. not what's happening. It's a hospital. <laughs> yeah, she could, it's like she could have just broke into like the nurses' station or like a locker room or something, or like got a janitor's outfit. I don't know. No, she bludgeons somebody in the back of the head with a brick to steal their clothes. It was excessive. Um, Maggie Chung at this period of time was kind of though was like this is the type of role she kind of played where there's like these like irrational, like bratty. Uh, annoying characters she's super annoying yeah and oddly enough i was like i have such a crush on maggie chung in this era of her career even though she's always playing the most annoying characters oh no there's like a charm to that like she cannot be sort of dissuade from whatever she's she's on about like she is committed you got to admire that yeah so this like this is just like the little intro scene to like set up some action get the ball rolling get these it two also characters. sets up that every single person knows martial arts correct there is not a single per even the nurse right like at one point the nurse grabs a submachine gun and starts just cooking people absolutely yeah everybody Everyone's is an adept action. at combat in some form or fashion it also sets up that this character the dr Yuan, will literally screw up every situation that he's in, but somehow go down as the hero. That's true. He's not perfect. Oh, my... He's not perfect. I mean, we'll get more into this, but, like, if you really, like, look at this movie and look at what happens, this guy gets hundreds of people killed and solves no actual problem himself. All in the pursuit of science. he, He almost creates every bad scenario. 
hundreds of innocent people die, and then he walks away going like, well, I did it, guys. I saved the day. Does the hospital though, explode? It doesn't explode. No, it doesn't um, explode. There's no. a big explosion, though. So, yeah, but like right after this, he, he leaves and goes to some party where uh, he's being hailed as a hero for the situation. He's trying. He instantly is just, like, trying to, like, get this one uh, lady into bed. And when that doesn't pan out, he goes home, and there's just a nude woman waiting for him. Yeah, we never learn the identity of the woman. Right, like, is that his, like, girlfriend or, like, just, like, somebody who hooks up with occasionally, the maid? She seems to know him. They seem to be familiar. There is no There's a familiarity, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's about to, like, you know, uh, I mean, I guess raw dog. Take care of business. Take care of business. And then someone else jumps through the window with a machete. Uh, They have have a, a martial arts fight. And then once that fight is over... This guy character, his name is like, is it Black Dragon or White Dragon? It's Black Dragon. Black That's Dragon. Di- who, played by Dick Way. Yeah. Who I he, always get confused with a young John Woo, because they, they look pretty similar. What? No, they don't. John Woo? Yeah. When John Woo was younger? Maybe. I'd have to go look at a yeah. picture. There's definitely been plenty of times where, because like John Woo in his earlier movies would occasionally make little cameos and stuff. And yeah. I would see... Uh, I would see Dick Way and be like, oh, my God, it's John Woo. He's making another Hitch- yeah, but like, Hitchcockian appearance in one of his movies. John Woo has very, like, round features, and Dick Way has very, like, sharp, angular features. I'll send you some photos here. Okay, I'm maybe, yeah, maybe. some photos, because okay. when John Woo was younger. There was a striking similarity. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. So they have this little fight, and then Black Dragon's like, hey, remember me? I'm from that Thai uh, mountain village. Uh, you have a blood curse. Don't have. I-, I need you to come back with me to the to the to the village. Meet me there next week. Oh, by the way, don't have sex, or your blood c- curse will explode. And what does uh, Doctor Wan do? He instantly has. Yeah, sex. he's like blood curse, mud curse. What but are you talking then we about? find out though he, he, as the movie goes along, we find out that he has that he knows he has the blood curse. It's not like. It's not like it's like, oh, what's this mumbo jumbo? We find out that this guy is well aware of uh, sorcery and magic and knows that a curse has been put upon him. No, but sometimes it's hard to admit to yourself that, you know, you're, you know, have something that's physically wrong, right? And so he's just trying to go about his normal life of fighting mysterious people and not actually saving the day and then having sex with complete strangers. And, uh,. You know, once the blood curse fires off, then I think reality sets in. Yeah. Because it does fire off. It fires off. I'm a huge fan of blood curses in general, but specifically this blood curse is great because the way they play it with the legs, right? So they set up that the blood curse, at least the the first part, is in his legs. And uh, he gets this awful pain shooting through his legs and uh he gets the veins rising out of his skin like the vascularity is off the charts but his reaction to it is uh, so relatable because when my legs fall asleep i make those same faces and that same sound that he's making during the blood curse and so instantly i was like I'm in. They they got me hooked. This is relatable and familiar to me. You're telling me that when you fall, your leg falls asleep, you make the same faces as someone who has been cursed with sorcery and has an exploding blood leg 
Like you make those same faces. Yes, precisely. Because it's such a weird, it's such a strange alien feeling. Like there's a numbness, but there's also simultaneously a deep-seated pain. And you can kind of use your muscles, but not really. Like it's such a strange, it's what I imagine the afterlife feels like. Okay, well, let me ask Overall. you this then. I, I can only assume that this blood curse, though, is more intense than a, a leg that has fallen asleep. So if there's that's no, you... There's no documation to corroborate that claim. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I'm making From a scientific educated, perspective. I'm making an educated guess. So this is a hypothesis. <laughs> we'll put it to the test. Oh, oh, please, cite, cite your uh, sources for your oh, blood my curse is, education. Is, <laughs> my sources is 1986, The Seventh Curse, <laughs> <laughs> directed by Nagoi Choi Lam, sorry, Maggie Chung, Chai Yung Fat, and Su Ho Chin. What types of faces do you think you would make if you had an actual blood curse in your leg and your leg and, bl- and your veins were bulging and blood was literally exploding out of your leg, covering yourself and the random nude women, woman who had just been hanging out in your apartment waiting for you? I might do a little bit of that wide-eyed surprise because, wow, would that be shocking? Would especially you do a double if, take? Especially, yeah, I'd do a spit take. Would you do a spit, a take, spit, take, a spit take? Thousand percent. Like, You'd watch your leg like start bubbling up. You're like, okay, I gotta get my uh, my my Mountain Dew code red, and then you'd be like, and then spit it out exactly when the blood came out, and you wouldn't know where the code red began and the blood stopped. No, I would drink. I like uh, I like that blue Mountain Dew. So it'd be a nice. Oh, okay. It would be a nice interplay between colors. Well, that'd actually be great because when the blue and the red mix together, you kind of get this purpley goose thing, yeah, which actually awesome. comes up ends up coming up later in. The seventh curse. Actually, I'd be a big fan. I would be okay with the blood curse if it was uh, sort of a green or a a purple. Ooh, in- yeah. Instead of a normal blood color, like, like that would yeah. really accommodate me as far as like my my preferred blood curse. So you'd be less concerned if you started ble- if you had a blood explosion, but if that blood was green, you'd be like. Okay, if it was red, the color normal, but I'd be pretty worried right now. But like, since my blood is now inexplicably turned green, I'm, I'm not too worried. Yeah, I'd, I'd be less concerned for sure. Okay, and I'd be okay, more like, good to know. I'd be more like uh, this guy, just sort of blowing it off. But okay. but the blood curse, you left out the important part. The blood curse is kind of a sort of a countdown. Right. So that's that's where the seventh curse comes in. Like every day, he's going to uh, every twenty four hours. That was the first one. He's going to have another blood explosion until it gets closer and closer to his heart. On the seventh day, it'll hit his heart. His heart will explode. He'll die. That'll be the seventh curse unless he can stop it. And what what stops the seventh curse? Well, you uh, have to crack open the big Buddha head and eat the glowing eyeball within. Yes. Which, <laughs> boy, is there a roundabout way that we get there. Yeah, but... that's that happens a lot later. Yeah, um, so he goes and talks to his best friend uh, wisely and asks for his advice. It's it's unimaginable and sort of unfair how good-looking Chow Yun-Fat is. Oh, everyone in this movie is, like, a gorgeous person. But overall, like, Chow Yun-Fat is, like, a ridiculous... Like, it's kind of insane and, like, yeah. just he's sort of an unhealthy standard. Because, too, he's always, yes. like, in his movies, too, he's always drinking and smoking. And, like, I can see where a lot of people would look at that and be like, well, if Chow Yun-Fat can drink and smoke, so can I. Because that's Correct. what I, yes. that's my reaction. I'm like, holy shit, if Chow Yun-Fat is so tall and good-looking, maybe if I do the things that he does, 
I will also be tall and good looking. I think that's that tracks. I'm still working on it. Okay. Um, so he goes to him for advice. And he lays out the whole story about how he got the blood curse, which was he was on a, a research expedition in Thailand collecting herbs to treat AIDS, uh, is what he says. So I had something weird happen. Yeah. And I'll tell you, and this is one of the things, one of the reasons I brought up raw dogging reality earlier, because yes. I had a real sort of out of body experience with when this scene occurred. Oh, yeah. I, uh,. I was watching the movie, you know, and I was like, oh, this is a movie. Things are happening. Characters are talking, whatever. Uh, great. There's effects. You know, it's pretty standard movie experience. I'm on my couch. I'm watching it on TV, as one does. After the big action sequence and everything, this dis- it dissolves into them sitting down talking as though Wisely was just telling the story. Wisely was receiving the story. Remember, like, that's how it, it starts with, with uh, Dr. Yon going to Wisely, being like, yo, turns out I got this blood c- curse. Um, I know you know a lot about curses and black magic. What should I do? And Wisely goes like, well, why, you better tell me how you got this blood curse. And he goes, well, it all started while I was in I the don't mountains. know that I saw that. What? I may have not seen that. That may have not been available on the version of the movie that I was watching because... They dissolve to that flashback, right? Or from that flashback to their conversation. And then the rest of the movie starts. And then by the time we get to the climax, it was like I was watching that whole thing again. So in that scene... And I stopped. I paused the movie to see if it had like played through and restarted or something. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, there's... This already happened where they go into the jungle and they climb on the the big Buddha statue and fight all the monks. Wait, that happened before, like, it right happened after at he... the beginning of the movie. Holy shit! No, dude, like that is like it happened I don't know twice. What, I don't know what version you started with, and then and then got like a. Well, I'm gonna you... watch. I'm gonna. I might watch both both of those again because, right? I started on this one weird streaming app, and then I switched over to Crackle. But when I switched to Crackle, I scrubbed through like half of the movie. So I don't know if the Crackle version had the same effect. Or if I was the victim of a some kind of a blood curse in my brain. You told me that the that you were wa- originally started watching it on some bizarre like back door like discount bargain bin streaming app called like Midnight Pulp that no That's one's right, ever Midnight heard of. That's right, Midnight Pulp. That's correct. If I go to my Roku and look it up now, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that it's because that is not like that is the Buddha thing happens way later in the movie. That's towards the climax. Yeah, it does not happen in the beginning at all. He goes, he goes, and he's at, he's in the mountain village with like some like white doctor, and like they're looking for herbs herbs to treat AIDS. He's walking around. He starts. He spies like some woman bathing nude in the uh, in the river, who's gorgeous. He drops his binoculars. Truly, and gives an her. unforgettable scene. I don't, uh, I don't want to get into it, but like yeah, un un unbelievable. Gives her the binoculars. Then it turned. Then they like find <laughs> out. That's my favorite part. He's like, "Here, you can have my broken binoculars." <laughs> he, he drops the binoculars on the the rock, and they tumble down directly into her hand. And then she's like, "Is this what you were using to spy on me with?" <laughs> yes. And he's like, "Yeah, you can keep them." And she's like, "Cool." <laughs> she so then like later, she had the, never seen binoculars before. Oh yeah. So God. then later that night, they're like, "Oh yeah, I met this hot chick. Um, what's going up in that village?" And, and it, or something. And, and the uh, the American doctor's like, oh, don't go there. There's a worm cult, right? Oh, I love the worm the, cult. Cult of the worm. S- 
you don't want to mess around with those guys. He's like, I'm going to go mess around with them. So he like, he goes up and he's like spying and it turns out there's some weird, you know, sorcerer guy who has like a baby worm, uh, that he keep like baby worm monster. That he keeps under his cloak that he uses to kill people. Uh, he's picking people to sacrifice to their ancient elder. And that, what, that wizard, that evil wizard, he definitely has, there's like a, on the spectrum of David Lopan to the main cannibal from ghosts of Mars. He's like right in the middle. Absolutely. He's like yeah. less, less sort of fancy and decorative than Lopan but sort of more traditional like folklore style than main cannibal. It's he's a, a tremendous villain. Yeah, his wor- his this, worm is not half bad either. His worm is fucking great. <laughs> it's a very powerful <laughs> worm. Yeah, at sometimes I'm just like why are why are we more concerned about the ancient elder monster and more, not more concerned about the worm itself? Uh they're going to he picks two people to sacrifice to the ancient elder who we'll meet in a moment. One of them is just some random dude. The other one is the beautiful naked woman from the lake whose name is Banchu, I believe. And then, so the doctor is just like, oh no, like he's going to sacrifice the girl I perved over for like three minutes earlier in the day. I got to do something. So he break, breaks into the ceremony, which we find out that the ancient elder is like this like living skeleton that turns into a weird, like, it looks kind of a mix between like a, a lizard, a bat, and a xenomorph, kind of. Yeah, it and it flies around. Like it's in the like the Giver or like the Power Rangers or something. So, but in the process of trying to rescue her, what he ultimately does is he gets like a hundred people killed. Several other people from her village get killed. Uh, several followers of the Worm Cult get killed. Which I mean, I guess that's no real loss there. But he just several of the doctors he's with get killed. Um, and then also in it, they both both him and Banshu end up having a blood curse put upon them and the only way she can save him from the blood curse in the immediate or at least postpone it is by cutting off a piece of her boob and feeding it to him that was another moment where i (laughs) i completely questioned my own sanity because it made sense that she was gonna do something weird and sort of ritualistic but in in my wildest dreams, I never... I was sort of scared that uh, for a second she was going to cut off her nipple and feed it to yeah. him because that's that's something I've seen in a movie before. But Ooh. for her to cut open her boob and pluck a sort of uh, pearl or a cyst or I don't know what the fuck it was and put it in his mouth was... It's something. And it's also like, why is this the thing that, that postpones... This blood curse. I would love to hear the the reasoning behind the explanation. That. Absolutely, yeah. please help like me that's understand the, the, the what you mean cut. by this. Yeah, let me get a director's commentary or the writer's yeah. commentary, something. Please, we should explain get, our, get our hands on the original book and like there's there's going to be like a twenty page description on the medical properties of uh, boob blood. Yeah, it was hot. It's it was dark. I was just so fucking lost and just drenched in sweat and just. I had to get up and take a lap around my apartment just to like yeah. regain my composure. Obviously this is pretty wild. Like, and we've talked about some of the goofy stuff or parts that don't make sense. Like bottom line is this movie is insanely entertaining. It's a visual feast. There's always something going on. There's yeah, like rarely the, a, a moment to sort of like the production design is actually excellent. Like everything looks cool. I don't know if you caught it, but like in one of like the, uh, 
the ritual scenes where they're like uh, going to sacrifice some people to the ancient elder in the background, there's these like engravings in the wall, these like statues and engravings in the wall and they all their faces are screaming. And it's, it seems like it to be like a probably pretty simple effect where they just put someone's a human face in a hole in the wall and painted it gray to look like stone. But it's far enough in the background that it looks very believable and it's, it's awesome. And there's the, the Buddha statue that would, they come by later. That set piece piece is amazing. I love that moment when the Buddha statue like sort of comes to life for a second. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it it's is. It's like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing, but like. Yes. The same with like the, the screaming statues in the background. Yeah, the wailing like wall. The, I love yeah, a wailing way, wall. More yeah. wailing walls in movies, please. Yeah, absolutely. It's like basically like, and this is very much like you can tell it is very much, as we said earlier, like, oh, you know what movie was just popular? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, this We're is gonna... like a mixtape of cool, cool shit. Yeah. And it's like, but it's just like, it's just way trashier, way gorier. Um, and just like, you you can just tell that when they're making this movie, it's just like, we're just going to throw everything at you. It's going to be wild. It's going to hit all these salacious moments. It's going to, you know, you're going to, you know, it's going to appease every base component of, of, of your spirit. Yeah, this is the um, kind of thing I would have loved to have been in the, in the original audiences for at the movies. Yeah. Just seeing like... Seeing it for the first time and experiencing it with people who are doing the same. And when we talk about this movie, the show on like being like discarded gems, like this really is kind of like a forgotten, like masterpiece of Hong Kong genre cinema. You know, I mean, at least to a Western audience where there's these other ones that are much more well known. And this is something that's kind of uh, just kind of been like, oh, you might catch on like some like random streaming service, you know, in the in the back the back catalog of it yeah it's definitely um, gaining more traction with like uh, youtubers yeah. and things like that kind of sharing their yeah. opinions on it but and it did it did just get like it's a uh like a very nice like physical media release from a company called 88 films which yeah mostly only does like uh, it's in a british company so they mostly only do like region two blu-rays um but if you have a region two a region three blu-ray player you can play it and i actually just picked it up and that's where i watched the uh the ex the uh the the extended uh, Hong Kong version with the bookends. Oh man, and, I bet uh, that looked like a million bucks too. It looks so good. It's, yeah, it has a, like a two K restoration. It looks really really good. The version I'm watching looks like a fucking looks. It looks like I'm watching it on like a Game Boy Color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really need to go back and watch the uh, the the version that's on Crackle because and see because that yeah that like you said like that scene being there. That doesn't happen. Like the the Buddha statue is not in at least in that context. It's not there. That's so weird. I thought I was watching like a time travel movie or something, or they were reusing the scenes or something. I don't know. But as I soon mean, as they started fighting the monks, I was like, I was like, wait a second, we've been here before. Yeah, no. There's definitely a, two set pieces, like at the beginning and at the end, where like it's the same place and the same. They're fighting the same creature, but it's a different scenario and setup and. Well, fingers crossed that this is the start of my blood curse. Hell yeah. What did you think of the child meat grinder? It was really upsetting. Because yeah. they did, it wasn't even like they threw like a, like a phony looking baby in there. This was like a like a full, like a six-year-old child. 
<laughs> they're just like here you go <laughs> and, and it's not like it's not specifically graphic it's like you don't see the kid getting like chewed up or anything you just see like a kid go into a box and like blood come out no but the the discharge of blood is an upsetting amount yeah it's like some it, evil dead level like just bursting and it's like the they, they do the funny gimmick where it's like filming filming and then like they cut the frame so that the kid sort of disappears uh so it is a little funky but like man if, if you're just like half paying attention to it it's a it's a little upsetting i think the most upsetting part is the fact that it's like basically just like a factory line of children in line to go into the corpse grinder. You well, know? yeah, that's the idea, right? They have to keep dumping these kids in. And why do they have to do that? It's because Dr. Wan intervened last year with their ceremony. Every year they sacrifice two people to the ancient elder to, appe- to appease him. This year they have to sacrifice like hundreds of children. Yeah, now, to I'm catch not up. Saying, now, it, it just seems to me like that maybe they could just seal up that temple move out of town. They don't need to be sacrificing people, and the sorcerer definitely comes across as a bad guy, even to the villagers themselves. But uh, it just seems that Dr. Yuan like, kind of really screwed things up. And not just with this kid's grinder, because his return, his him returning to the, the, this area, his presence there instigates more murders of villagers that are unnecessary. I think when you have a specific number like that, like two kids, I think it's easy to sort of look around where you're at and be like, hmm, I got a couple of good candidates right there. Yes. So you just sort of pick out the most annoying or like the the ugliest or like the kid that always has, you know, shit coming out of their nose. And, oh, absolutely. And uh, just be like, eh, let me solve this problem. Yeah, but when they get to the village, like all the children have been taken for the, for the, uh, child grinder and that's literally because of the actions of these characters of the good guys earlier yeah. you know if they had just like had not intervened uh i did quote i did finger quotes when i said good guys which no one could see uh, but i did do it <laughs> sometimes also, doing the right thing means doing the wrong thing yes sometimes and you obvi- just have to do something yes true but and there's movies where like that kind of chain of events happens, and you're like, okay, well, they, it, it, this was out of their control. It really seems like everything they do just makes matters worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse and worse. They're just breaking even, essentially. If what's the what's the whole point of him coming back to the village? It's like to solve his own blood curse, which is going to kill him, and then Banchu's blood curse is that her face is just kind of like mangled up and like is all deformed on one side. Oh, and, yeah, she is such a tragic character, always covering that up. And then uh, the reporter, like, wakes up after almost dying and, like, sees her and, like, freaks out and, like, d- runs, like, a figure eight around the room screaming at her. And it's, I mean, it's bad, but it's not that bad. And then, you know, she's the love interest of Black Dragon, so they have right. sort of a tragic romance. Well, Black Dragon doesn't even care about her face being mangled. He's, like, the exact opposite of Dr. Yuan. He's like, he's like, I love Wanchu because she's a good person, not because I caught her bathing nude in the, uh, in the river. Yeah. And it's not funny. He, he's in love with this girl because he, the first time he saw her, she was naked. <laughs> and then also like, even like, okay, how are we going to stop the blood curse? How are we going to save myself, my own life? And then fix Wanchu's face as they figure out that they have to go to this giant Buddha statue and take out its eyes and then eat the eyeballs. <laughs> 
And in the process of procuring those eyes, they go and offend and then murder several monks that protect the statue. Yeah, they have an extended fight scene with those monks. And yeah, they end up killing a few. And then at one point, they finally stop and are like, try to explain themselves and ask for forgiveness and are very polite. I was like, maybe you could have just tried that from the start. Led with that, I was like, hey, I know we're not supposed to be here, but we need these eyeballs for for this. The quote-unquote good guys, Dr. Yuan and Wisely, like, Basically, just come and like kill everybody, and then and they drink bring brandy a lot of the, guns. Yes, they bring a lot of guns, and then they drink brandy at the end of the movie, like they've uh, done something great. Yeah, I think though it's, that is a great commentary on Indiana Jones because I think if you really and you know I know it's popular to do this now, and it's, sometimes it's very eye rolling, but if you scrutinize Indiana Jones a little <coughs> bit, he doesn't look so. He doesn't come out looking so good. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's just like, at least then, like, the movie sells it versus, you know, being like, I mean, that's honestly part of the charm of this movie is just, like, how, like, ridiculous this whole setup is and how how awful these characters are but still kind of come across as, like, fun characters. No, it's um, way more engaging and interesting to see them being wrong and making mistakes compared to those action-adventure movies. Where I mean, that was part of the appeal of Jackie Chan in a lot of movies, right? Right. But, you know, a lot of, like, Jason Statham movies or something, he's always right, and he's always doing the right thing, and if he just keeps beating people up, everything's going to work out. Yeah, but in the, in this movie, too, it's not like the Jackie Chan movies where he's, like, he's like has self-awareness, so he's, like, screwing up or something. These guys in this movie, the quote-unquote good guys, think they're, like, awesome and doing the right thing and, like, saving the day, even yeah, though they're, they're completely making matters, oblivious. making matters worse and worse and worse. Um, speaking of though, like of getting people killed, how, do you think do you remember that scene where the car like jumps over like some stairs into a crowd of people, like the jeep? Oh yeah, and somebody gets hit, and I'm pretty sure that stuntman is like dead. Yeah, there is a few stunts in this movie where um, I was looking for like a GoFundMe to get them out of a coma. Seriously, like they go over that 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 those stairs into a crowd of people, hits a guy, and the guy. Like, it's one shot. It's not like, oh, we cut and, you know, like, over to over here, and then we did a send this character and made him do a jump or something. A car moving at high velocity hits somebody, and that person flies out of frame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was some scary In one stuff. take. There's a, I mean, in the, the fight, the big brawl at the beginning of the movie, there's definitely a couple of scenes where uh, there's dudes landing face first into glass coffee tables. And the camera is shooting underneath. So it's not just yeah. like, oh, you know, you saw them go partway through. Like, you're watching them go face first through the glass coffee tables all the way. I mean, that's another thing, too. We're talking about underrated and stuff. I mean, not just in this terms of this movie, in terms of, like, cool monsters and, like, fun times. And it's like, oh, this is a wacky, like, uh, oddball movie. Like... Just in terms of action, though, too, the action set pieces in this are incredible. No, it's Major League shit. And the very fact that this is not, like, regarded as, you know, a Hong Kong action masterpiece is just kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and I think it's kind of the sense of humor and the sci-fi, you know, magic stuff that may hold it back a little bit with audiences. But I don't know. I think that's working in its favor. Like, it really is, like, it's like a fucking, you know, charcuterie plate or a, a bento box whatever you want to call it like it's uh yeah it's got a little bit of everything and yeah, the those... result is a tasty little morsel 
Oh yeah, a little tasteable morsel of uh, boob flesh. Yeah, I guess. Or Buddha eye, glowing Buddha eyeball. Yeah. Maybe I'll cut that out for you if you want to retract that. Hey, I'm just describing what happens. You're just calling in the movie. it like you see it, baby. In the movie, yeah. In the movie, that's not my. That's not my preference. No, it's, I'm just it's what happened. It's Doctor One. It was like, give me some of that boob flesh. I need Save it for me my blood with your boob chunk. Uh, <laughs> um. No, and that whole that whole going back to though that the whole like scene with the Buddha statue and the monks, like not just like the fight on the statue is crazy. The scene that the exploding Buddha head is crazy. The 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 Buddha head falling off and them having to dodge it, all that stuff. It's like this is a master class in like action. And I, I imagine this is probably not the gr- largest budgeted movie, but it looks I mean, it's like one of those movies you can tell it doesn't have all the money in the world, but still looks amazing. No, it's real well you know? filmed and really well lit and yeah, uh, competently all the, all the, shot. Yeah, all the and all the composite shots and matte paintings look really cool. It, it has a a huge scope on something that like you can tell at at the same time was just like doing it on doing it on the fly and doing it on the cheap, but still making something that looks like a million bucks. Yeah, you know, it's really it's really something else. Well, I gotta um, check out that Blu-ray sometime then. Oh yeah, dude! It's it looks really good, and also it's the movie's in co- the correct order too. So perfect. That that's that's a that's an advantage. The Blu-ray probably um, has non-hallucinatory properties. Oh no no no! I bl- believe me. Every time I watch this movie, I hallucinate or feel like. Oh, uh, but this time too, because there was the new scenes, right? And like one of the new scenes at the end of the movie, one of the bookend scenes at the end is like after everything, he's at like some. He's at like that same party he was at at the beginning, like with the pool party. He's at that place again, and he's trying to bang some other lady, and he's like bragging about all like the weird oddities he has in his house, trying to impress her like that. He's like, "Oh yeah, I got all these like knickknacks from my adventures. I have uh, a witch doctor's shrunken head. I have this, I have that." And he goes, "And then I have a jar full of alien toes." And I was just, I, I lost it. I was just like, "What the hell?" Like that's how, like you, you just casually like nonchalantly like, "Yeah, I got a jar full of alien toes. If you want to come over and see it, and then like." bone later they're setting up a sequel it's brilliant we never got it's it it's called an easter egg baby well i guess we got other wisely movies but we never got this well they'll do guys. the they'll do the you know it'll be just like the uh indiana jones follow-up they'll they'll come out with the modern version and bring everyone back and uh we'll, oh, we'll pl- get I, that sequel that we always wanted please give that to me um real quick i want to mention the final boss fight Yes, because they're they're taking on this monster that keeps transforming and doing wild shit, and they going try to from s- like a, going from a martial arts fighting skeleton to like the weird, yeah, xenomorph flying xenomorph. Yeah, creature. that skeleton doesn't his his martial arts form leaves a little bit to be desired. He just sort of I mean, flopped it's, around. It's still pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty funny the way the uh, the doctor takes his uh, martial arts stance with the puppet. And then he tries yeah. to do like fake outs and like, he's really like playing some, some mind games and some, uh, some chess. Absolutely. Yeah. With him. But uh, as they're fighting this monster, uh, the, the worm goes toe to toe and nothing can really stop it. Like it's, it's sort of taking on all comers. And then finally, after being MIA from the movie from about the halfway point, Chow Yun Fat just shows up, uh, rolling out of a side cave with a rocket launcher. Yes, and there is a the monster has sort of a big exposed pulsating gland, 
and he shoots a couple of rockets into that and blows it to smithereens. Yeah. That trope of a character showing up with a rocket launcher and shooting a big pulsating gland would go on to become very famous uh, by the Resident Evil video game series. Mm. And so if you if you look at a lot of the Resident Evil games, you'll see a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, even like a lot of the costumes and outfits and character designs, you can see came from movies like this and John Woo movies and kind of all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's also a, a hell of a funny sight gag when he just kind of emerges out of the darkness and handles well, things. Mean, it, it's also just funny too, because as we're talking about how like this main character literally solves no problems, doesn't do anything good and gets millions of people killed. And then John Woo just, or not John, uh, Chow Young Fat just shows up at the end and goes like, Oh, don't worry. I got a rocket launcher. I'll save yeah. the day. You know, and then right after that too, it's like so they got the two Buddha eyes just to end the blood curse. The doctor eats one. Oh, you just swallow curse, it whole. Let's let's use a swallow. You swallow this can't gigantic chew it. Glowing, you got to swallow. Yeah, it. this gigantic glowing eyeball hole. And they're like, okay, we have to get the other one quick to bonch you. Otherwise, because if you don't use this within like two hours or something, it's rendered useless, right? Um, so they go there, like they show up. They kill the monster, and then the doctor's like, oh, shit, the eyeball's uh, not good anymore. Sorry, Bonchu. You got to be deformed for the rest of your life. And the doctor's like, well, I'm good. Uh, I, I ended my blood curse. I can bone again. So uh, see you guys later. This guy literally shows up to town, causes nothing but problems, fixes his own problems, and then dips with, like, no re- remorse. It's, I mean, it's the only logical conclusion. I guess you're right. At this point, it is. How else would you end this movie? How strong of an endorsement or recommendation would you give this movie? This is one of those movies that no matter how you watch it, it's going to give you something. If you Correct. watch it with the volume off, just playing in the background, uh, you're going to get. It's going to catch your eye, and you're going to be your, your jaw is going to be on the floor. If you watch it with the sound on and just sit down uh, by yourself, you're going to be thoroughly entertained. If you watch it with a group of people, you're going to have a good time. And I know you could also be thinking, like, listening to this, you could be like, well, they literally have just, like, spelled out the entire plot, like, every single thing that happened. Not even half of it. We cannot even touch upon the insanity of this movie, the sheer entertainment value, how cool the visuals are. Like, every plot point is incredible. Well, there's nothing wrong with the plot of this movie, even though it's like kind of like bizarre in the fact of like how it. We just talked about how the characters cause all these problems, and the heroes are actually the villains inadvertently. Uh, as like, you cannot touch upon like what this movie is when you watch it, based on even by giving away like every single plot point. Like you might be like, okay, well I know this guy turns into this monster. I, that's not going to be a surprise. It'll be surprising when you watch it. Okay, I know that they put these kids in a child grinder. It won't be surprising when I watch it. It'll be surprising when you watch it. When you watch this stuff in the context of the insane vision that was created, like it, like we said before, like I've seen this movie multiple times, and each time I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed? Yeah, if I had to stamp a rating on this, I would give it four blood curses out of five. Well, wait a minute. What happened? Like, you're not going to go for like six out of seven? No. No? That would make more sense, but I'm going to match the uh, sort of logical reality and tone of the well, movie. 
I'm gonna say six out of seven blood curses, okay, and the only reason why I'm not gonna be clever. Well, hold on. Look at the, the big only... brain on Elliot Greenman incorporating the, the title into his rating once again. Now, the only reason I'm not giving it a full seven is because the seventh curse kills you and destroys you, and I don't want it to kill or destroy this movie. Right. It's like the ring tape. Like if you if you keep handing it off, like no one will ever die. Right. Exactly. Massive recommendation for from me. Uh, yeah, you can watch it on Crackle for free. I think you probably rent it on Amazon. If you have the ability to play a, like a UK Blu-ray, I highly recommend that, that being the way you watch it um, or finding that somewhere online, a downloadable version of that uh, 88 Films production of it because it is looks phenomenal. Subtitles have been, the translations have been cleaned up. That's definitely the way to go if you can. And don't bother trying to, uh, you know, do drugs or anything while you watch the movie because the opposite is true here. This movie is the drugs. Correct. Absolutely. We got a, we got a fun one planned for the next episode, don't we, Keith? Yep. And we're not going to tell you what it is. You got to no, follow us on Instagram to find out at Trash yeah. Pod. Get over there. Mm-hmm. We don't make a ton of stupid content or anything like that, but we are going to tell you what the next episode is going to be. So. Correct. Give us a follow, and also let us know what you think of the show. Tell your friends. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, help the show grow a little bit. We're get, we got lots of people listening from all over the U.S. and beyond. That's super cool, and uh, uh, keep it going. And uh, we might Absolutely. have some, uh, some additional fun surprises coming for you. So, like I said, keep it keep it parked on instagram also check us out on youtube we got some fun exclusive episodes over there that you can't get anywhere else knee-jerk reactions and some weird videos that are related to getting sucked into the movies and life lessons from the movie silver bullet so absolutely yeah go check it out yeah or don't Uh, so so that's gonna probably wrap it up for today once again please check out this movie it's amazing that's all i got to say just remember, I got a jar full of alien toes at my place, and you can come over and check them out if you want to. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. So you're drinking expired energy drinks? Not expired, discontinued. They're just not going to make any more of it. It's limited edition, very valuable, Ooh. rare. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.